Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. It's great to be back with another opportunity to share the message. But before we do that, let me say hello to our online community. Regardless of the platform you're watching on today, we're so glad you are a part of our Coastal family. Be sure to engage with us in the chat. We absolutely want to hear from you. Again, as Pastor Chris just shared, friends, I am Chris Jones, and I am just blessed beyond measure every single day to be this church's outreach pastor. And I love the title of this latest message series called Impact. Now, when you think about the word impact, that is essentially what our church is really all about, making an impact in everything that we do. It's kind of sort of part of our DNA. You see, we want to make an impact in this world for Jesus. And so we've been exploring how one person has the potential to change the entire world, to make an impact, if you will, simply one life at a time. By simply doing this, being willing to share your faith. And if you remember last week, we kicked off the series as Pastor Chris shared how you can make an impact by simply being available to share your story. Now here's the thing though, you must be ready. Because the reality is opportunities are literally everywhere. You see, when it comes to sharing our faith, the issue isn't that we don't have the opportunities, that they're not out there, because God provides all of us opportunities all the time. And if you're just a little bit old school like myself, opportunities like these are sometimes referred to as divine appointments. Now, the real issue is when those appointments come, oftentimes we find ourselves not ready. We may find ourselves in a place where we simply don't know what to do or we don't know what to say. So that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. The hope is that by the end of our time together, you will leave this place just a little more prepared, a little more willing to, to talk to others about your faith. You see, here's the thing. It's not just the pastor's job to share matters of faith alone. We are all called to do it. Whether you be shy or outgoing, brave or afraid, we are all indeed called to share our faith. So today we're going to look at a man by the name of Philip, who God gave an opportunity to share his faith, and as we will see in just a few moments, he was absolutely ready. So I'm going to be beginning in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, if you'd like to follow along. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now there's a couple of things worth mentioning here as we get into this message today. And that is one, the Ethiopian man we just read about was a eunuch, meaning he'd been castrated. You see, in those days, if you're going to work in the queen's court, they castrated you. The act of castration by design was about the elimination of temptation. But what, what's more important than that was that this man was returning from Jerusalem. And we have to ask the question, why would a guy all the way from Ethiopia travel to Israel to the city of Jerusalem? Think about it. He's traveled an incredible distance, especially given the travel means of his day. Perhaps something was missing in his life. Maybe he was searching. 
Maybe there was a loneliness, an emptiness, or maybe even a brokenness. Maybe there was something within him that wasn't being spiritually fulfilled. So it's quite plausible that he was traveling to and then from Jerusalem in search of something in order for him to connect with God. Or perhaps he's searching and longing and aching, and there is this void within him that he is just simply longing to have filled. Let's read a little further together. It says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? So the man invites Philip to join him up in his chariot to sit with him. Now I want us to see this passage of scripture that he was reading from the scrolls of Isaiah. Here's what it says. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth, and the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What a great story, right? Here is God providing the opportunity for Philip to talk about Jesus to this Ethiopian man. Here is this man who is seeking answers, wanting to fill this void in his life. And he has this encounter with Philip. And his life is changed not only in that particular moment in time, but it's but changed for all of eternity. But here's the thing. If Philip had not been ready to talk about his faith to this Ethiopian official, the opportunity would have been lost. And the eternal impact in the life of this man may have potentially never happened. Now we say this all the time here at Coastal, and that's this. Everything we do as a church centers around this idea of making an eternal impact in the lives of people. And that's exactly what happened here in this story. And it's precisely what we're hoping and praying and laboring to happen right here in our church. Philip was ready. And we must be ready too. Which leads me to a very important impact principle found on your outline. It says, God uses me when I am prepared to be used. Friends, God wants to use us. He wants to use all of us. God wants to use us to influence people for him and to indeed make the impact that we're talking about. And it simply doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been a believer, how much you know or even how little you know, his desire is to use you. But he can't use us if we're not prepared and if we're not ready. Now speaking of being ready, I hope you all are ready to talk about being ready because I'm ready to share it with you. Which leads me to my first one here, the first point. It says, the first step is to be where God wants me to be. Now the idea here is to be physically where God wants you to be. Now this may sound like a given or an obvious, but you simply can't influence someone for Jesus. You can't talk about your faith if you're not in the right place. In the passage we just read, Philip was indeed in the right place. God told him to go to the specific route in the desert and God had him walk up to the carriage that was carrying this Ethiopian official. Philip, in this case, was just simply being obedient, and he did it. 
and he was in the right place. And a life was changed for eternity. Now, rarely does God speak audibly so we know where to stand in a particular place or where to stand at a particular time, but it's important for us to understand this. He does lead us to right where he wants us to be. In fact, God has you exactly where he wants you right now in this moment of time. There is a reason why you are here in Charleston. Now, whether you be a native-born Charlestonian like myself or you simply got here as quickly as you can, God has you here for a reason. Of course, this is easier said than done, right? Interesting enough, I met my wife Kim in Central Texas about halfway through a 20-year army career, and I remember a conversation we had very early on in our dating. I told her, I said, Kim, I feel like things are getting serious between the two of us, but I feel like we need to have a conversation because I want you to know very early on that when my time in the army is up, whenever that time might be, I'm planning and I really want to go home. So when she's sitting in backed up traffic tomorrow morning, trying to fight her way downtown to MUSC to make it to work, I hope she reminds herself that she made a great decision. (laughs) I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. I actually pray that she remembers that God has her right here in Charleston for a reason. Seriously, friends, God has you in your job, whether it be a great job that you love or a job that you absolutely hate. You are working out in your gym for a reason. God has you even in your apartment building if you live in one for a reason, which my wife again, Kim, has to remind me very every daily as I'm raging out that I'm a pastor as our upstairs neighbors are facing off in their nightly clogging in square dance competition. (laughs) True story, true story, church. Again, God has us where we are for a reason. God has you with the friends that you have and he has you with the family that you have for a reason. And that reason is simply that you can make an impact for Jesus. That's why God has us where we are. Whether we like the place or situation or not, we are in where we are to both model and to ultimately to share Jesus. We have to be very careful not to miss that. So we have to be where God wants us to be. And then there's this. We have to be aware of who God wants me to invest in. The idea here is to be spiritually ready for the opportunities. Be ready for the opportunities as they come. Be mindful of the people that God is working on around you. Now, there are two very broad and general categories of people that we will find in our lives. There are those who simply don't want to talk about God. They want nothing to do with him. And if you utter his name or even mention a matter of faith at all, it nearly always turns into an argument. But then there's this other group of people in your life. And they are the ones who are more open to talking about spiritual things. You might describe this person as someone who's simply going through a very rough season. They may be hurting, and they may be open to what you might have to say about your faith. However, so often, though, our tendency is to simply get so bogged down on all the tough cases that we miss the person who's withdrawn over in the corner, over in the corner of the room, who's in pain, someone who's seeking to fill this huge, empty void in their lives. Someone who is simply desperate for Jesus, but doesn't realize it. Again, friends, Philip, who we just read about, didn't miss his opportunity. He heard the Ethiopian reading and wrestling with the scripture, and he recognized that this man was open to talking about God. And Philip was ready. And as we've already said before, 
a life was changed for eternity. Let me ask you a question. Who are the people in your life that come to mind right now who are most receptive to talking about faith? Who are the people that come to mind right now? And let me share something else that's interesting. I hear the boss, I say boss, I should say our pastor, talk about this from time to time, and that is there are three times in people's lives when they are most open to God, to faith, and to spiritual things. It's on your outline there. When they are under tension, during transition, or they are in trouble. You see, when people are under tension, they're stressed out at work, or maybe they're stressed out at home, and oftentimes, they're stressed out in both locations. Often, they may be burdened down with financial woes or with anxiety, and because of the tensions of life pulling so tightly, they're potentially more open to discussing matters of faith. In terms of transition, when people are moving to a new city, perhaps, or getting into a new marriage, or having a baby, or even starting a new job, they may be just a little more open to talking about the things of God. Or when they are in trouble, and they're facing a job loss, or they're at odds with their spouse, and their marriage is on rocky ground. Or maybe they're weighed down with debt, with calls coming in from creditors, and they're just living so fearful that they may perhaps at some point be found out. It's in the hard times of life that people are just a little more open to God because when you realize you are over your head with whatever the situation might be, you come to the realization that one, your way doesn't work, and two, you cannot do it on your own as you had hoped. And it's within the trouble that people might realize that they need God and they're more open to hearing about matters of faith. So we have to be where God wants us to be, and we have to be aware of who God wants us to invest in, and then there's this. We have to be ready to share our faith at any time. Now, we've already talked about how we have to be physically where God would have us to be. We talked about being spiritually ready for the opportunities because we've already shared that the opportunities do come. And this final point points to being intellectually ready. In other words, when you're in the right place, and you recognize that you have the right person, you need to know what to both do and to say. And practically speaking, from the passage we shared this morning, Philip was in the right place, divinely appointed to encounter this Ethiopian official. And he simply knew how to share his faith. Let me ask you another question. Would you be ready to talk about your faith if the opportunity presented itself today? Or even this week? Would you be ready? Well, with the time that I have left with you today, I want to show you a very well-known and easy way to share your faith. It's a simple tool that I will tell you how you can take with you today just to help when those opportunities come in your, in your life. But before we do that, before we get into the tool, I just want to introduce you to this little book we have here at Coastal. It's called The Difference Maker. And uh, we give these away during our membership class. And it is indeed required reading for our life group leaders. So many of you might be familiar with the book. But I want you to listen to the subtitle of the book. Using Your Everyday Life for Eternal Impact. Again, there's that word, impact. As mentioned earlier, it is the DNA of our church. The essence of what we as a people and this little book is all about making an impact every single day where we live, work, parent, and play. 
by simply representing Jesus and sharing our faith. So if you haven't checked, never checked it out, we'll have some out on the counter today. And by the way, it's a very easy and short read. And contained within this book are four simple illustrations that you can share with somebody who's ready to come to faith but may have some additional questions. We're talking about the people that are right on the edge, if you will, but not completely over the line, if that makes sense. Now, these illustrations are not new. They are actually well-known, and we talked about a couple of them this past Sunday night in our Impact Evangelism Seminar. They are the bridge, do versus done, the morality ladder, and the Romans road. Anyway, check the book out. It's out on the counter if you'd like to have a copy of it, and let's spend a few moments talking about the Romans road. Now, nearly 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Christians in Rome, a letter to serve as a guide and for their encouragement. And according to most scholars, the book of Romans perhaps presents the clearest presentation of the Christian doctrine in all of the scriptures. It's like this easy how-to guide for understanding the Christian faith. And nestled within the pages of this letter, Paul provides a handful of verses for us that perfectly outlines the concept of both sin and salvation. Five passages of scripture that provides the basics of the gospel message and they explain what needs to be done and understood in order to be saved. And when you put these five verses together, we get what is referred to as the Romans road, or maybe you've heard it as the Romans road to salvation. Now, as we get into this tool and talk about it for a few moments, I want you to imagine a road. And I want you to think about a road that you frequently travel and all the signs that, that are along the way that simply tell you where you are, how far you are from the next city or town, etc. Now, the signage on the roads that we travel on serve as guideposts for the traveler. By simply presenting each verse that we're going to look at in this particular tool, the Apostle Paul literally does the talking for you. Or perhaps better said, the scriptures do the talking for you. Now, as we explore these five verses, I bet there might be someone in the room or maybe someone online going, five verses? I can hardly remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. You're telling me I gotta remember five verses? Well, yeah, that's kind of the idea. But thankfully for us, uh, we've got a tool. And I want to give a huge thanks and a shout out to Rachel, our office manager, who just does a great job of keeping the wheels on the train, so to speak. And she has provided a wallet-sized card that you can take home today as a tool to help you out. And we'll have these little cards uh, on the counter as you exit today. So let's take a little trip together down the Romans Road. The first passage or the first stop on the road is Romans 3.23. You've likely heard it before. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The idea here is that God's standard of righteousness is perfection. He is perfect, therefore the standard for us is likewise perfection. Anyone in the room achieve perfection yet? Okay, I don't see any hands. How about you folks online? Anyone online achieve perfection at this point? Well, let me ask you this. You ever told a small white lie? Men, have you ever looked upon another woman who's not your wife and had lust in your own heart? Have anyone ever looked in the mirror and hated what they saw? ever taken anything that simply doesn't belong to you, ever complained about anything, gossiped about anyone, carried any level of envy or jealousy, ever put your own needs and desires before someone else? I think we all get the picture, right? We all fall short of God's glorious perfection. 
We all fall short of God's desire of perfection. You see, the moment you and I, we exit the womb and we draw our first breath, there is a nature of sin upon us that binds to us as sure as the very skin that covers our own muscles and tendons. When we are born, we are born with this propensity for sin. And there's absolutely no way we can work our way out of it. We can no way negotiate a better outcome. Being a good person or a better person simply isn't perfection. And comparing ourselves to someone else, asserting, at least I'm not those folks over there, that's not perfection either. You see, God sees us and judges us alone, and the reality is we find ourselves not blame, being able to blame anyone else. The standard is perfection, and we all miss the mark. So what does that mean for us? Well, we have to travel a little further down the road to find that answer. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, now that we've established that we all fall short of God's standard of perfection, that perfection can no way be achieved on our own, that we all have this propensity to be sinful, we see that there is a penalty. And this road, this sign along the way tells us that the penalty is death. Now, physical death would be bad enough, Right? However, the kind of death that Paul is talking about is very much spiritual in nature. In other words, sin brings forth a penalty that results in a permanent separation from God. But I love the word but in this passage. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Despite our imperfection, despite our mistakes, Despite our falling short, whereas we deserve by our own sinful ways to be separated from God forever, God responds to us not by punishing us, not by casting us out, but simply by providing us with a gift. Now, what is this gift? Well, we have to travel a little further down the road to find out. Romans 5.8 says, but God had shown his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love how someone responded in the Impact Evangelism Seminar last Sunday night as Rachel was pre uh, presenting this tool. When asked about this passage, he said that God doesn't wait until the seventh inning stretch to act on our behalf. In other words, the Lord recognizing our imperfection, recognizing that we fall short, this acknowledgement of we, we deserving of death and separation from him, he didn't wait to act on our behalf. In fact, while we were still lathered in sin, buried in our sinful ways, he provided a way for both you and for me to be made right with him. He sent his son, who was perfect himself, to die in our place. You see, Jesus would come to this earth, live a sinless life, take on all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, sins he didn't even commit die on the cross for those sins, be buried in a tomb, and after three days rise from the dead, thereby defeating hell and the grave and death, conquering sin and shame, all in this act of love by God himself for all of us. And I can only say, in sharing that with you, the only words I can muster up is amen, thank you, Jesus. So how should we respond to Christ dying for us even while we are still in sin? Well, again, we got to ride a little further down the Romans road to find out. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It'd be quite easy for us to assume some complicated ritual or some nearly 10-step, nearly impossible program to receive this gift we've been talking about. But the gift, as we just read here in the book of Romans, is provided simply in the asking. The gift can be received by simply accepting it, to believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and then confessing that belief with your mouth. You are saved. Ask and you will receive. Ask for Christ to come into your life. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and shortcomings. Ask Christ to be your Lord, and you'll be saved. And one final stop along the Romans road is this. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how checkered your past might be. The Bible teaches us that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. God's word also teaches us that he would desire that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And when we all come to repentance, when you, come, when you answer that call for repentance and you receive Christ, he changes everything. It's a very simple tool. It's fairly straightforward. Some tools out there on the counter to help you out. But you know, I saw something some time ago and it created a, a major course correction in my life and I got to see it again in last week's Impact Evangelism Training last Sunday night. You see, there is this man. His name is Penn Gillette. He's a well-known, very outspoken atheist. Maybe you've heard of him. And he talked about in a video how a man attempted to share his faith with him. Now, Penn appreciated and respected the effort for sure. But he asked a question that ultimately gripped me as a man, a believer, a pastor, and quite frankly, as the overseer of the outreach ministry here in our church. Here's the question that he asked. He asked, how much do we have to hate someone to be unwilling to share the hope of eternal life? How much do we have to hate someone to be unwilling to share our faith to a dying world? Let me ask you, who in your life comes to mind right now that's far separated from Christ? Who in your life, if they were to die today or next week, you feel very certain that they would spend all of eternity separated from Christ? I want you to do something for me right now. It's gonna require a little movement, a little action, and then I just want you to pull out your Connect card. If you're here in person, pull out your Connect card. If you're watching online, you can do it in the chat. I want you to write the name of the person that came to mind on that Connect card. Fill out the front part of it with your, with your information so that myself, my teammates, and Pastor Chris and our prayer team can come alongside of you and pray for that person's name in your life and for opportunities for you to share your faith. And to the believers in the room and to the believers who are watching online, allow me to encourage you to consider a very dangerous prayer. I would encourage you to pray this. Lord, Help me see the world and love your people the way you do. Lord, help me to see the world and love your people the way you do. 
Let me ask you, have you ever prayed that prayer? Do you want to pray that prayer? Do you want to see the world the way Christ sees it? Or do you love people the way Christ loves all people? Or maybe, I wonder if there's someone here or maybe someone watching online who is hearing the Romans road for the very first time. Maybe you've heard it, accepted it at some point long, long ago, and maybe you've walked away from it. You see, the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, God would desire that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And today, for someone, today is a day of salvation. And for someone, perhaps, a renewal of faith happens today. Again, let me remind you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Christ has issued the invitation to all of us to come. He issues the invitation to call on him. And he assures you that when you receive that invitation and you come, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you provide for us as a church, Lord, to make an impact, Lord, where we live, work, parent, and play. Father, this is a church that is so chocked full of opportunities for us to make an impact, not only amongst ourselves with one another here in the life of this church, but also out in the community. Father, we thank you for those opportunities. And our prayer is that, Lord, you would just continue to have our eyes open, our ears close to the ground, Lord, and ready for the opportunities as they come. We pray, Father, Lord, that we would be ready, that we would be in the right place at the right time, that we would be spiritually ready and intellectually ready, that we would hold on to these tools, Lord, that are at our disposal and that we would actually deploy those tools. And that, Lord, we would move away from the places of fear and discouragement and worrying about what people might think or how people might respond to the invitations that we make to them, Father, to the sharing of our story and to the sharing of our faith. Father, help us not to be like the man that Penn talked about. Lord, it's just so piercing, the idea of how much must one hate someone to be unwilling to share the hope that we have within us. Father, I also pray for those today who may wanna pray that prayer, Lord, that that they would have eyes to see the world the way you see it and love the people the way you do. Lord, it's a, life saving, um, a life-changing prayer. And so, Father, we pray that there be anyone here, Lord, that would, that would pray that, Lord, that you would help them to see and help them to love. And, Father, I pray that there might be some hearing this message, Lord, today, hearing about the Romans Road and the scriptures outlined in the book of Romans or watching online, Lord, who have not confessed you as Lord and Savior, or maybe they've even drifted away. I pray that they would just simply respond, Lord, to the message and to our worship just like this. Father, forgive me. I'm, I'm a sinner. I've tried my own way. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing, and it simply doesn't work. Father, I receive you, Father. I want to receive that invitation. I hear that call, and I want to respond by proclaiming, Lord, that I believe and I receive I thank you, Lord, for what you've done on the cross on my, by my behalf. Father, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. Allow me from this day forward to walk, Lord, in faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.